connected? Are we connected? We're connected. Here comes some music. Starting lyrics for the Saturday. There's show. no room. Hello, hello. Good morning. Are we at the mall? Oh, I have a bag. Oh, you do? What's in it? Oh, what? am I not muted? Sorry. What, Somebody in, mute me. What's in the bag? <laughs> Sorry. Mute me. Okay. All right. Somebody's obviously finishing up their Christmas shopping chores. And doing all the festivities to get the big meal ready for tomorrow. Here we go on the Saturday Christmas Eve edition of the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales with you, of course. And we're streaming, I think, at least on the Eurofolk Radio and Global Voice Radio. Paul's probably got a stream in a couple other places. Hell, who knows? I can't keep up with it. Uh, so uh, it's the, as I said, the Saturday edition. Here we go. Hope everybody's doing all right this morning. We've got a nice Christmas deal going today. Uh, after the show, I will, short of time, hustle over to uh, the designated venue, and we're going to have a pot lunch. A pot, God, I can't even say it. A pot lunch Christmas dinner today. Everybody brings something, so uh, we'll get over there and see how that turns out. Should be about twenty, twenty plus people over there, probably. Uh, and then tomorrow I've got uh, lunch uh, uh, at a friend's house. So should be a nice weekend, I hope. I'm not going to do the RBN show tomorrow night. I'm going to throw a uh, replay in uh, just to give you a heads up. And I think just uh, due to Dave's incessant negativity on this wand that I'm going to replay the uh, Stacy interview. Uh, the girl that was uh, the week before had a gun in her mouth, Dave, ready to actually pull the trigger before she got the wand. And I think anybody that can listen to that can hear the difference in her lifestyle and attitude. So uh, I believe I'll do that tomorrow night, probably do the same thing next weekend, too. I can't see doing a show on Sunday of New Year's. I'll probably be watching a football game or something anyway. Give me a little time off. I don't get much time off these days either. So uh, that's what's happening. I hope you all are, uh, don't know where you are, if you're where you normally are, or if you've gone off to relatives or visiting with friends or family uh, and celebrating the Babylonian holiday. But uh, that's where we are this morning. So everybody doing okay? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Doing great. Good. So anybody got anything they want to bring forward? I don't have too much to say, really. Yes, there's somebody very faint. Well, well, no, you got to talk. You got to get closer to a microphone. I can't even understand you. Are you talking to something from across the room? Well, you're not talking into the microphone. How it, 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 however, it works is you got to talk into the microphone. So, can you figure out where the microphone is and get closer to it? 
Well, it's an inauspicious way to start the program today, I guess. Um, we'll find out how to get close to the microphone. I'm allow, allowing you some time to figure it out. Okay. Well, when you get it figured out, come back forward. I just couldn't hear you. You sound like you're over in China yelling. So uh, does anybody else have anything to uh, bring forward this morning? Nobody? It's going to be a long show today, folks. Hey, Roger. There's Mirka. Um, Lawrence sent me something, and uh, she heard you saying something about Title Eight, And she sent me uh, something that happened on there that they switched what was on Title Eight to Title 42... Uh, let's see what it says. Well, title, title 42, Chapter 21. Okay. In I know about sections. Said. I know about titles and sections. I don't know about oh, it's chapters. Title, it's, it's Title 42, Section 1983. Yes, and 1980, 1986 also you can put in there because they both say the same thing in essence. And Title 42, for those that don't know. Now, they, there's been some confusion here lately because there's – been a lot of news thrown up about the southern border and something about title 42 extinguishing this is something trump put in and i don't believe they're talking about title 42 of the united states code okay and title 42 is called the civil rights code all right i thought it was interesting one day on here murka when brent was on and he said uh do you know the only thing that a judge hates worse than a Title 42 suit? What is that? The person that brought it. Okay. Title 42 is civil rights based on the 14th Amendment. And that section, 1983, that she put in there is mirrored again in 1986. And it says the privileges and immunities of the citizens of the United States are equal to those of the white citizens. There's Jim Crow. I remember seeing that somewhere. Jim Crow right there in the United States Code, right there in Title 42, twice. Even though Brown versus Board of Education made both of them equal, Congress since 1954 hasn't been able to go back and straighten out the nineteen, the four, Title 42 codes, differentiating the two. Okay? So that's what, uh, that's what that section says. The privileges and immunities of the citizens of the United States are equal to those of the white citizens. The, you know, the, the dreaded white citizens. White supremacy. I have a question. White. Sounds like... White supremacy to me. Yes, there's a question with somebody that can actually approach the microphone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good morning, it's Ella. Hi, Ella. Um, Roger, I have a question. Hi, honey, Benny. I have a question regarding 42. Why has not? Why hasn't Congress addressed this? I mean, I is it past their I pay have, grade, have, or they're just I lazy have, butts? What the I hell's have, going on with I that? Have, no, no idea. No idea. 
No idea, because they're probably okay, too busy. Okay, because I mean, they seem to spend a lot of time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They're probably too busy figuring ahead, out where they can steal money and who they can screw that's trying to oppose them. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Where they can screw you and so forth. Let's just forget about 42. Okay, that answered my question. Thank you, Roger. See, it was a civil rights code, and it was in there pretty solid until, well, in 54, they made both statuses equal. They don't really want you to know that, in case you haven't been able to surmise that. And then the big legislation that I understand, this is the Civil Rights Act of 1964, that set up all of this crap we're dealing with right now. Uh, so um, I don't know why they hadn't done it, Ella. You'd think they would. You know, it's just blatant right in there. It shows you they don't pay too much attention to their own statutes, though, does it? Doesn't it? Well, it does. It doesn't. And also, it shows how um, how so many are, are, you know, asleep. Oh, yeah. You know, the... Yeah. the, the, the the populace is asleep. You know, one percent are awake, wake at you know depth. I think different depth. I think it's probably greater than one percent at this point, but uh, certainly we we need more. But there are more people coming over to the what the hell's going over on here side every day. I think I don't know uh, for sure, of course. I would have not known anything about 42 Roger until I joined this group. Yeah. So, uh, you know, else. you know, my, yeah. I doubt if David Strait talks about it or, or Anna Von Wrights or Bobby Lawrence or any of these other people, because they probably don't know it. And if they knew, if they even saw it, they probably wouldn't understand it, quite frankly. Hey, Roger. Yes, who got it? Uh, is that Abram? Is Abram? Yes. Hey, Abram. Um, concerning this, uh, you know, the uh, the equality of these two statuses, is that legal equivocation? I, I mean, it's funny to say equals equivocation, right? But, uh, you know, clearly they're not equal in terms of, uh, are they equal just because there's two and they exist in parallel? And so because there's two Two statuses. I mean, that's how it was in the uh, what's it called? The Plessy versus Ferguson, right? Right. You know, right. Equal, right. But now they're saying equal, but equal. But e clearly, e there's no equal. You know, they're saying. Uh, well, I'm, Abram, I think it's probably part of the fraud that's involved is the reason they recognize this affidavit. Okay. okay. You can't make somebody that gets God-given rights equal to somebody that gets government rights, but they did. Right. Okay, and then they hid that God-given side, boy. And they use the word equal. Have they? Is, boy, have they hidden it? You know. Well, I, the equality, and you know, I didn't know this. I always thought it was an either-or. I thought Ple Jim Crow was still in effect. Okay, and it wasn't until that day when I'd seen this document before, certificate of non-citizen nationality, but I'd never really read it carefully. And I was having problems with some guy who kept wouldn't come on the air. He kept asking me all these questions through email. And, I, you know, I don't mind answering simple email questions. But as you guys know, you can't get into this simply when you get into the depths of it. There's just no way to do it, especially in a two-dimensional email. Okay, And so Chris, our late friend Chris Cave, had sent me that in an email again. 
And uh, so I was kind of pissed off at this guy. And uh, I, I got on the air and started addressing him and his questions on the air. And I pulled up that document and started reading it on the air. When I hit that sentence, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, I mean, I, I almost laid one in the chair, okay, because that was the big one of the big pieces I had not gotten yet till that point. And I realized that they had made them equal not separate i thought it was a trap door where you were one or the other and it is somewhat it's just that they made them equal to make the trap door operable oh and so their equality is now you're both so they're equal well you're either or or. and that i guess that's the equality that they had to make them uh in order to and remember in the in the timeline of their scheme here the brown versus board was the last thing they had to do to complete what they started before the Civil War. They got they, they, they got the Civil War started. They got the two designated systems. Then they came back, all this stuff, set up the money, Federal Reserve, do the, do the bankruptcy, set up non-citizen national in the 40s, get the IRS ready in 1951, and then 54, we make them both equal. And the crowning blow was 60 days after Brown, they put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place. That was the end of them building their little pyramid. And you could say, I I guess you could say the 54 Internal Revenue Code was the capstone because that allows them to do everything. See, they couldn't get that whole paper with you as, as collateral system set up until they had the taxing mechanism firmly in place. That was the end thing because it's the most important thing out of their system. Without that, the system doesn't work. That's the slavery part. Right. Well, that's where they can extract your your uh, income and pay the bondholders and make the whole system complete. I think you answered. Look at that conundrum. Over yeah, overbalance the budget. Yeah, well, we're doing. And that conundrum's over. Well, this is an interesting point. You're an interesting point, Paul, with your comment, because this explains deficit spending. All right. Uh, Abram, how how familiar are you with John Maynard Keynes? Uh, Not altogether familiar. I'm familiar with the name. Okay. Well, his, his work back in the day in terms of I think he was involved in education and that sort of thing. But not well, he was an economist and he nobody had ever heard of him before Versailles. And they brought him out and trotted him out at Versailles because now they were going to start this whole system on everybody. OK. And so they brought him out. He was a neighbor of the Rothschilds. He's a screaming homosexual. And Keynesian economics just it, what it brings into uh, effect. It's this system. It brings into effect what they call deficit spending. You've heard a lot of that lately if you've been listening to the news, because all this money, all this omnibus bill that they've got, all these billions that they're sending to the Ukraine, that that's all deficit spending. And what that means is they don't have it in the budget. And they don't have the money, but because you're the collateral and they can extend it out through your children and grandchildren, they're just pulling money out and attributing it to you and tagging it to the grandchildren down the line with interest, of course. 
Okay, so that's what Keynes allowed them to do, and that's Keynesian economics. The other school of economics here in the world is called Austrian economics, and it was uh, uh, kind of developed off a guy named von Mises. Okay, and the 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 one there's one college in the United States that has a von Mises Institute attached to the college. And that is Auburn University in South Alabama. Okay, and every summer they have a two-week symposium seminar on Austrian economics. So those are the two schools: Keynesian economics with deficit spending. You know the term "making money out of thin air," although they don't; it's always collateralized. And the other one is Austrian economics on on dealing with what's gone on in the past instead of all this Keynesian crap, and not overspending your budget. Okay, so that's the Keynes was the one that brought all this in. All right. Now, see, they had had a problem. Part of the reason they needed to start World War One, Abram, is because they tapped all the central banks out in Europe. They couldn't tap them out anymore, just about where they've got us, you know, now. And so they needed to start World War One so they could get control of the U.S. And, and set up the U.S. to be the predominant country in the world with the world's reserve currency. Now, they did that by, here's the problem they had. Before World War I, everything was gold and silver and real money. But in World War I, they switched everything over to the paper system. And they printed so much paper to be able to fight the war that when the war was over and people expected them to go back to gold and silver, they couldn't do it. Okay? There's way more paper than there was gold and silver. So there's a couple of, one of the things you can go read about, I believe it's called the Genoa Accords. Genoa Accords was around 1922. And this is when they first put a convertibility of gold to paper back into the picture. Okay. And Keynes was at that Genoa Accord. All right. And so what they developed a way to do in England, particularly, was you could come in and exchange your paper for gold, but you can only do it a kilo at a time. Okay, so they kind of put a glass ceiling there by only putting large amounts of gold into convertibility, and not I enough. Not kilo of paper. <laughs> you can go back and read about it and study on it. That's they, uh, but they put restrictions on the on the size of the amount you could convert back. And, of course, then since then, all these countries have been on this John Maynard Keynes uh, establishment. And that's when I think they came in and started instituting the uh, assignment of political status at birth to a lot of these other countries around the world. They may have been in there before. I don't know. I've never really researched it. But knowing these guys as well as I do and knowing this timeline, it seems to me that from that point, now they got the paper money out there. Now they need to put the system in to back it, institute taxes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I hear Alex uh, talking. He's he's real down on Hitler, you know, supposedly for somebody that's done a lot of studying and stuff. He uh, there's a lot. He's got a lot of holes in his in his Hitler game. Where's Murr been lately? By the way, have we seen her this week? I don't think we've seen Murr all week. 
Um, and he, he keeps asking, what about when Hitler invaded Poland? What about when Hitler invaded Poland? You know? Well, if you go back and look on uh, Europa, which is uh, that wonderful, uh, wonderful, it's not wonderful, it's horrible, with that 10-part series on what really happened over there in World War II, and what they did was in Versailles, back when they brought John Maynard Keynes on the scene, and they set up World War II, and they changed Germany and Poland's border, okay? And they, uh, for one thing, they took, uh, what's the name of the, of the big port? It starts with an R. Rotterdam? Rotterdam, I think. Danzig. No, well, was it Danzig? One of the two it was a big port that was uh, up there that was Germany's, and with Versailles, they gave they left the port with Germany, but they took all the land that connects Germany to the port away from them. So Germany had the the port Danzig or Rotterdam or whatever it was, but they couldn't get to it. There was no land bridge to it, and in that they adjusted some of the German Polish border, and the reason Hitler invaded Poland was because the Poles were murdering thousands of Germans on the border. That land, which had been Germany, that got moved in Versailles, the Poles came in there and killed thousands, maybe tens of thousands of Germans. Women, children, men, brutal. Okay, I saw the footage. All right. That's why Hitler invaded Poland. Okay. And the last, right before he invaded, they did one where I I think it seems like my memory, they killed 10,000 people in one day or one weekend. Germans? Okay, that's why Hitler invaded Poland. He was baited into it, just like he was baited into World War II by everything they did at Versailles. Okay, all these little things they took and gave had the most productive part of Germany, the Rhone, R-H-O-N-E, I believe it's spelled, the Rhone Valley, which is where all the coal and stuff is, and they gave it to France for reparations, you know. So anyway, uh, back to Mr. Keynes. Um, that is what the difference is in the whole world's under Keynesian economics now. And it all involves deficit spending, which has got to have the people as property for them to deficit spend because no banker is going to loan trillions of dollars or billions of dollars without collateral and compound interest, period. Hey, Roger, one interesting thing about Keynesian economics <laughs> is, uh, as it's taught in school, the economic theory, any application that you use in in reality they call it the special case okay so let's say you want to uh, build a model of a bank or any any economic system uh the theory just doesn't hash out you know when you crank the theory through and, and see what the numbers are, it, it just doesn't work and so literally every real, real world example is a special case yes so, uh, and even Keynes Keynes was addressed Keynes was addressed with some of these inconsistencies when he was still alive, like at Bretton Woods or something. Okay, and he goes, "Well, by the when that happens, we'll have a whole nother set of problems." That was his answer. Okay, of course. Um, very interesting. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought here, but he was uh, uh, he was a real corrupt actor, and he the Rothschilds saw that it fit right into what they wanted to do, and they brought him and trotted him out in the spotlight at Versailles. That's where he came from. I know all about deficit spending. Yes, I know everything there is to know about well, it because I had a boat. 
I had a boat that was a hole in the water in which to throw money, That's, and I named it Deficit Spending. There you go. That was my father's line. Hey. A boat is a hole in the water hey, in which you pour money. Yes. Yes. Then, um, hi, hey, Roger. Have you read or anybody read The Web of Debt? Because I just got that book, and I think that would answer a lot, give me an understanding of what's going on, and especially what you guys are talking about right now. Yeah, I think I've heard of the book. I don't know that I've ever read it. I mean, I understand this pretty well, but I did. When I got turned on to this, I'd always liked economics anyway when I was in college and stuff. And when I got into this, I remember going to the Cobb County Library, the little satellite library that's close to my house, and going over in the economics section. And that was the first thing I did was pull a book out on Austrian economics and read it 30 years ago. And that's the two big divisions, Austrian economics and Keynesian economics. But, yeah, and, of course, you know, there's only, there's two ways to control men. You can control them through force or you can control them through debt. They can't control us through force. We got guns. They got to do it through debt and trickery with all this slavery stuff. The only way they can do it by debt is by getting you into a position of being an object of their property rights and then foisting this system on you. I, I, this is what I was going to say a minute ago, Abram. I, I did a little research when I was looking into the Genoa Accords and some of that stuff a few years back, and I stumbled on a really interesting quote from Keynes in the Manchester. There was some business newspaper. I think it was a Manchester something, Manchester, England. And his statement in there was, we all believe the gold standard would increase the economic activity like nothing else. So they knew. They knew. But see, with the gold standard, you can't get the bankers to suck off all the interest. I have something uh, topical for the uh, affidavits. Uh, I sent in recently, uh, not exactly a FOIA request, but the State Department has another kind of request. Are you familiar with that? Not uh, really. It's not specifically FOIA, and it, it has a State Department document. Yeah. Uh, Do you send it's a it request to... for individual access to records protected under the Privacy Act. And what's interesting about it is the address you send it to is the same address as that bluff letter. Ah, oh, I was going to say, yeah. did it have Mrs. Robinson? Is she the head of the department? Well, I guess she is. Yep. So that's, it, it, uh, You know, the, it's fun. interesting with the Mrs. Robinson's letter is that there's tacit admission that they received your affidavit. And also, there's plenty of typos on this document and uh, formatting errors, which is It's funny. a very, very piss-poor attempt at whatever they're trying to achieve. I see, well, my uh, concern is that maybe this is a, a uh, you know, a false trail where, you know, if, if, we're, if, if it's not actual FOIA, if this is some other, you know, schemed up. Well... Uh, you know what? doesn't matter what their intention is with this. I see it as another way to get your information into your administrative file. My, my concern is that, you know, I sent this request in, and 
I mean, obviously, I don't think that well, we can answer at this point. But, uh, you know, if this is a false trail, if, if I'm sending it, if it should actually be a FOIA request and this is something else they've schemed up to avoid the FOIA process. Well, I mean, didn't they tell you they've got your affidavit by sending this letter? Yeah. I mean, really? See, that's why the whole thing is ill-conceived and very poorly done. To me, from what I said, I haven't even, I haven't, yeah. no, I don't have no, a I agree completely. Uh, no, we're in complete agreement. Uh, this is, it looks like a, an intern made this document. So, uh, again, sure. to me, it kind of gives a little, they're tipping their hand on how desperate they are on this. That's what and I the, uh, the penalty of perjury is a uh, without jurat. So it, ha- it says under the laws of the United States of America. Which yes. Also- no, no, no. That's the without. That's the without. You know, when it's got of yep. America, it's without. And yep. just the United States is within. Was somebody else trying to say something there a minute ago? That was Roger. Well, good morning, Samuel. Good morning. I'm barely awake. I stayed up too late last night. <laughs> yeah, I get a little Christmas cheer in, were you? Yeah. Um, I think there's sections in Title 42 that cover health, and especially in emergencies. So what I think Trump did during COVID to stop the borders, uh, he put that stipulation in so that he didn't want more COVID coming into the country. Could be. And now they're trying to overturn that, and they say that there's reams and reams and reams of people stacked up ready to come on over as soon as they overturn that. It's ridiculous, you know, and that probably is it. But you see, when they just throw Title 42 out there, they're not referencing any sections. They're referencing something Trump Trump put into effect. So I, I, I didn't know exactly what that was, but your explanation is probably accurate. Okay. And a judge extended that. It was already set to expire. Some judge extended the effectiveness of that. Trump. Is it, isn't uh, 18 also similar to 42, a little just earlier on? I don't know. I don't know what 18 is right off the top of my head, quite frankly. Each, each title has a subject matter. You know, like 26 is, is Internal Revenue Service, 27 is BATF. 28's Treasury, 42's Civil Rights, uh, one of them, uh, 18 might be the criminal code. Yeah, 18's the criminal code. Okay, there you go. Hey, Joe. There's that Anthony. I never can tell you two apart. No, it's, it's Joe. How you doing, Joe? Good, good. Want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. That's nice. You too, Roger. Yep, thank you very much. Igualmente. Happy, happy Saturnalia. Don't go out in the street and fornicate or anything. Probably good idea. It's probably too cold anyway. It's it's seven degrees where I'm at, so nothing like that's happening. That's a this is a pretty big cold wave, isn't it? What did I hear? It's the biggest one in a hundred years or something. Did I hear? I that? wouldn't be surprised. It's it's. I haven't remember it being this cold. Global warming. Yes, it's global warming. Of course. Yes. Yes, everybody get your hairspray cans out and like your barbecue. There you go. So, uh, so what else? Who else? What, what, what else can we talk about this morning? These Saturday shows are a little bit different, you know. Seems like we get to talk about a lot of this stuff, educational stuff, background, historical influences and aspects. I was reading the uh, 
the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1871, oh, where they yeah. incorporated well, the District of Columbia. Right. I thought that was a very interesting read. Because yeah. they, uh, they basically are creating their own constitution in there. And then they say, like, um, that they're going to not adhere to the constitution, but just support it and mimic it. <laughs> Except for except for the thirteenth and fourteenth amendment, <laughs> and that's yeah. what they did. You know that with, with the Civil War, they set up this whole federalization scheme, and I guess the next step was this uh, document that uh, Joe's talking about. I think it's really important, though, and this is Larry B. Craft's research that they unincorporated it three years later, but they probably still left the Constitution that's set up by this document you're talking about. And they, when they unincorporated, they didn't take the 14th Amendment out. And it says subject to the jurisdiction thereof, singular. Well, you can see they're talking about 14th Amendment citizens in that document. Um, and then it's actually in the statutes at large. So it's oh, uh, the, I oh, think yeah. the 43rd Congress or something. Right. And that's how I found it. And then they, um, they lay out basically how the government works today. Yep. In that. Yep. Yep. It was very interesting. That was the setup of the transition. Is that your is that your son or daughter? That's my son. Okay. He How wants to he might parts. want to stop using a government and call it a corporation. Well, almost all governments are corporations. I think all of them are as Brent's talked about on here before. And uh, what you're doing, I guess, when you file the affidavit is unincorporating yourself from them. Because those that, government. that 14th Amendment and all this stuff are, in essence, I guess, your bylaws that you got to follow. See, that's the thing is, when you get to the big picture of this, I'll get you in a second, April. When you get to the big picture of this, all the problems that we've got come from the bankruptcy. So that's why I keep saying you got to go back and address the bankruptcy, okay? But we individually can do an end run on the bankruptcy, and that's what the affidavit does is allowed us allows us to do that. Yeah, Abram. Uh, one other. Uh, so I, uh, I'm in the process of changing my bank accounts, and uh, I went into the bank and actually it's a credit union, and I started asking them about uh, which, uh, you know, if they have another account for non or for uh, nationals. And they don't. They go under the non-resident alien uh, right. portion of it. Right. But uh, I got some pushback, but, and so they said, oh, "Well, yeah. no, you know, I know you have a passport, but we're not really sure what this non-resident alien thing is. We don't. We've never done this before, uh, you know." And so they started calling the uh, you know, calling up the chain to to talk to corporate and uh, get the lawyers involved. And while they were doing that, it occurred to me that uh, one of the uh, the taxes that are applicable. The, I'm not sure if it's 871B or 877B, but one of them is expatriation. Correct. And so I had, I had the banker pull up that uh, that uh, uh, code, and uh, you know, it's. I said, well, you know, this doesn't make any sense. So either you're you're an American, right, and therefore you can pay this tax and expatriate when you leave for another country or another nationality, or you're not. You know, so this non-resident alien thing is necessarily an American. Because you, otherwise there would be no expatriation tax. Do you know where you should have pointed him? Where? 1.1-1A, Title 26 oh, yeah, yeah, CFR. Yeah. 
Yep, I'm sorry. That, that's where it, that's where it came up. So I, I started there, and then we followed it down the chain. Okay. And the, the reason that the credit union does non-resident alien is because that's where the term national is hidden in the Internal Revenue Code, and they have to report things like interest, et cetera, activity to the IRS. All right, but do they do they report this because this is a well? I don't you know, know. I don't know how they do. It. I have no idea how they do it internally. Okay, but all I know is if you're getting interest on your checking account, you don't owe taxes on it. So that's why we notice the IRS because we want them to know if any of these are reporting things are coming in that your status has changed and how it is applicable to you. Right. Uh, the bankers that are at this uh, credit union were, were increasingly interested. Oh, that's good. I said, how much, well, did, how much did you pay? How much did it cost you to do this? I said, it's free. And the guy was like, it's free. <laughs> Thinking the wheels were turning. Yep. Well, and the other thing you should point them to, if you're sitting down and having that discussion, is drag up that certificate of non-citizen nationality and say them in, show them in that State Department policy document all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. We're not expatriating, sir. We're repatriating to the status that's been hidden from us. There's two documents. There's two prove, documents. Prove your whole, prove, prove your whole prove case. Your, all right, somebody All wants right, to somebody, say something because you got your okay. mute open and TP? I'm getting the echo. TP, is that you? Okay. Yeah, I was just going to make a real quick comment, but I don't want to disrupt the, the call. Go go ahead. You, uh, you, uh, one of the things that... Uh, you, something, you, some, what's wrong with what's your wrong system with where I get this where echo get every time I talk? I'm sorry, Roger. What did you ask me? I said, "What's wrong with on your end where I get this echo every time we talk?" Or a lot. Uh, it depends on what I'm using. It depends on what device I'm using. Okay. It turns out, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm getting that echo. Well, I'm on. I'm getting that echo. It's quite distracting. It's the reason I mentioned it. Okay. So go okay. ahead. So go I'll on. try not to talk. Try when not talk. And what's your what's your Richard. comment? Well, what we're doing is uh, there's a. I've done for years, um, been a national for a very long time. Um, he's using trusts instead of going in and try to explain all this stuff to the bank, you know, using an irrevocable trust to go in to set up the bank account so much smoother and easier. Well, just go in and tell them you want a non-interest bearing checking account. That'll do the same thing. Then there are nothing to report to the IRS. So, uh, Abram, did that get your, I, 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 I appreciate you bringing that experience to the board and these guys were interested all of a sudden, huh? Were these bankers or, or lawyers? No, it's a banker. Yep. He's a black uh, fellow too. Uh, smart guy. Okay. And, uh, Good. We'll go yeah, in there. So and what I want you to tell him is that this is how they've, they've used the black man to enslave all of us right here. All right. Okay. That ought to get his attention. I've been in there a couple of times to get affidavits uh, uh, notarized, and uh, you know, so they recognize me. I'm not right. sure if I was notorious or uh, just some odd guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's good. No, that's, good. With that's the way we tall tales. Um, you know, pressing the envelope here and helping to educate these people is the way we expand our circles. Roger. Yes, sir. Who's that? This is Joe. Hey, Joe. Oklahoma. Hey, man. 
what cold, I have. How found cold? Hold on, hold on, Joe. How cold is it in Oklahoma this morning? Oh, it's in the teens. Okay. Low teens. It's it's. We're going to have a low forty degree day here today. Oh, right, son. That ought to be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as Wednesday's down. But uh, I have found this out in the last six months that there's no bank that I can find in our part of the world that will set up a bank account, non-interest bearing, corporate, personal, or otherwise, without a Social Security number okay. or employer's identification number. Okay, well, Social Security number. And, I don't, and, and, and that, okay, well, Social Security number. And, 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 that, and that is with, yeah, I got derailed there. I got walked on. I know. Uh, um, so no bank that is, that is bank policy. policy. I would oh. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any problem using the social security number. I use it I use mine all the time. Okay. I well mean, I, I I'd had a bank uh kick me out because I'd been with them for over thirty years without a social security number and I wouldn't relinquish it, so they Close my accounts and bounce straight checks. Yeah. Well, yeah, did you put them on notice with the Privacy Act of 1974? No, all, all that. Went to the county attorney, went to the county sheriff and everything. And uh, Did you file a lawsuit? <laughs> that's a long story there, too. Well, see, no standing. In no my, standing. In my mind, there's no problem with using the Social Security number. It's not a nexus to the system. It doesn't create any kind of jurisdictional nexus. It's a tracking number. But if you've put all these guys on notice and changed your status directly, it doesn't make any difference what they tell them. Okay. I just want to pass that on about the, yeah. you know, the bank can have their own policy regardless of what the law says. That's right. I guess that's right. So anyway, I wouldn't be abject to using the Social Security number. I gave mine out just the other day to, uh, to, to have some funds transferred. So uh, just don't don't let that that old uh, patriot mythology stop you from doing what you need to do because this this Social Security number is not important, folks. I mean, I can tell you the story about my friends in, in Argentina, if you want me to. If any of you are doubting this Social Security thing, go, go to the HA. Hey, where's all the noise coming from, please? Go to the, uh, well, go to the uh, uh, Social Security form online, and it asks you, are you a citizen or a national? And then underneath, if you're a national, there's a pull-down menu, and it says, what country? Isn't, isn't that proof enough right there? Anybody in the world can contract with Social Security and give them that money and get that, let them steal 90% and give it back to you. But they don't send the EPA over there and OSHA and, and the FBI and all the, there's no jurisdictional nexus there, Okay. I had some very dear friends in Argentina. They were Argentinian. They lived in the U.S. for 11 years. Joe up there in New Jersey, okay? He was a machinist of some type. They had their children up there. So children, their two children are citizens of the United States. 
when they decided to move back to Argentina to raise their children as they got a little older. And they, they I remember the story. They drove in a, I don't remember if it was a pickup truck or what, but they drove all the way from New Jersey with a 91-year-old Argentinian woman in the car, two, two small children and a 91-year-old Argentinian woman who wanted to go to Argentina to die, to die okay? And they drove from New Jersey all the way south of Bariloche in a town called El Bolson, Real little hippie town down there. You can go look it up on the internet. L. Bolson, B O L S O N. And they lived there for a few years and then they moved up to where I met him and I lived in San Rafael. Okay. And uh, because he had been in the States, he was a green card resident. Therefore, he had a, a contributed to Social Security and taxes and all that stuff. Okay. So he moved back to Argentina, lived down there 25 years or something. But when he turned 62, they went to collect on his Social Security benefits as Argentinian citizens, okay? And so they had to go to BA. It was a 600-mile each-way trip. They had to go down to the embassy to get all this stuff done. And they'd drive all the way to BA and go down there, and they'd say, well, we need these papers. And they'd have to come back home and then drive back down there. So it was a bunch of crap they had to go through to open this Social Security account. But I remember at the last, they told him, they said, we may take 25% because you're not a resident anymore. And damned if they didn't, okay? But he's been getting Social Security checks for... Well, at least five or six years that was happening right when I was leaving. They're Argentinian citizens. They don't send OSHA down there, EPA, FBI, any of these other agencies. There's no jurisdictional nexus in the Social Security number. That's patriot mythology. I can understand where people came to that conclusion. The IRS wants it. Everybody wants one. They're going to make you get one at birth. It's got to be important. Well, it is important to their internal tracking and their internal management of their system, but it's not a jurisdictional legal nexus. So for any of you that get confronted with this, don't be scared to use the Social Security number because David Strait told you it was a nexus or something, okay, because it's not. Hey, Roger. Yes. Do you pay 25? Did they take 25% out of your Social Security because you're not nope. a resident? Nope, they sure don't. Okay. So it must be But some, see, he was foreign. Uh, he was foreign. He was foreign. Well, he wasn't a citizen of the United States. He didn't naturalize when they foreign. were there. But I'm a citizen <laughs> of the United States and a national. All right, okay. you're just a national? Yeah. Citizen of the United States of America and a national, probably more correct. Hey, Abram, were you able to open your account? Abram, did you hear that question? Were you able to open your account? Cat got your tongue? Are we conversing? We're good, Roger. Okay. If you can't hear me on this, this is the best. Well, I, I hear I hear you real loud and clear with no echo now. Abram, yeah, could, you hear, could, you, could you hear TP? Are we having this inner jitsy problem today? Yeah, we are. No. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, we're having it, or yeah, you heard him? Uh, no, I didn't hear him. That was my fault. I uh, I have an errand to run, so I was backing out of my garage, and I okay. think it switched from Wi-Fi okay, to well, uh, cellular. All right. Well, so he that's asked. Sorry he, about that. That's okay. He asked if you were uh, able to open your account. Oh no, nope. Uh, they, they're still talking to legal. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that I will get it uh, opened, and I'm sure that uh, I will. We'll have a couple more nationals calling in. In, okay. uh, you know, in a couple weeks. <laughs> well, that'd be month, great. So. My hope is that you get turned down. You get to go have a meeting with the attorneys. Yeah, actually, that wouldn't be. Well, I, I wonder if they would actually take it that far. I think they would probably just like to have it go away if it doesn't turn into something. Well, what you need to do is you approach know. it like Inspector Colombo, you know, asking questions. Well, here, let me show you this. Boom. This is why that is. Boom. Right. Okay. So, I think I did a pretty good job of doing that. Man. You know, I, I I had him interested, especially okay. given the part that, uh, you know, uh, he, he was interested in, in the fact that I didn't have to pay any taxes. That was that's a huge deal. That's always so, you know. I don't see know that, about the rest of it. That's why we always use the tax movement. I didn't know this when we got into right. it. You know. But that's why everybody used the tax approach is because it's a common denominator issue because everybody's interested in your tax, uh, your pocketbook, and everybody hates the IRS, right. except maybe Lois Lerner. Roger? Yes, Sam. I'm not sure. You don't um, know who Lois Lerner yeah, uh, is? I re- hold on, I re- hold on, Sam. Hold- <laughs> Lois Lerner was the head of IRS that went in and denied all the 501c3s for the Tea Party and everything under Obama. And they caught her. Oh, right, And right, she's right. the one, when it came up in court and this stuff started getting pers- prosecuted, you know, and it was getting aired, and she, her and her pal, whoever her Jew, Jewish pal was, going, no, no, we don't want our public addresses out. We'll get harassed. <laughs> Goddamn right. bitch. Damn the elitist bitch. Okay, go ahead, Samuel. Yeah, uh, I remember this. I don't know if you do, Roger, but I think Chris Cave was already receiving um, Social Security, and then he, he filed his affidavit and put one into Social Security, and I'm pretty much sure that he said it increased the amount of his benefit. It probably did. After doing it, so. it probably did in somehow. Okay. I mean, listen, when I open my account in Argentina, any time I deal with the federal government in any respect or capacity, whoever I'm dealing with gets a copy of my affidavit, period. Okay, Social Security, I included a copy in with the opening my account paperwork you have to do. I had to do it in Argentina because I live outside the country. Okay, You got to do it in the country, in the embassy of the country you're living in. And so I had to deal with those people down there and uh, got it open with no problem. The problem was that I must have pissed the – they hire civilians to to run a lot of these offices at the embassies and the civilians from the country they're in. And so the guy that was running the benefits uh, department down there was Argentinian. And I moved and I gave him a change of address because I actually was getting checks for – first couple of years and uh damned if the son bitch didn't put me wrong and i mean it was intent it had to be intentional 
because the address he had put in wasn't even close to the address I was at. And I didn't get checks for nine months. It took me nine months to get that straight. But it was the guy at the embassy in Buenos Aires who had put in the wrong address. But they've never given me any problems. Okay. So who else has got something this morning? Nobody. Hey, Roger. There's somebody. I think that's Wayne. Yes, sir. Hey, Morning Wayne. to you. I can. I get hey. that Texas twang when you open your mouth, Wayne. Not bad from a guy from Ohio originally. Right, so right. Well, you're at. You're acclimating. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Hey, quick, quick question here, Rob. When I'm in a bank in Texas here, like a Bank of America. And I see what I what I can figure is numerous illegal aliens running around, you know, doing transactions. I have oh, to yeah. feel like the Bank of America has some kind of way to open an account if you're a non-citizen. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. And I think that may be the, if we figure out that whole strategy, just, you know, present the same argument to them that uh, an illegal alien would to get an account open. Uh, they shouldn't give you any problems. If they do, you ought to be able to uh, overcome them. I mean, just recently, somebody sent us something online from Wells Fargo, and it said, are you a citizen or a national? Okay, so, because they don't want to lose the, uh, you know, the impact of uh, people pulling money out. You know, they want to definitely retain as much funds for circulating as possible. Of course, because that hits their reserve requirements, and they don't have to go the repo route. Absolutely. Hey, one other question, too. Uh, when you were talking about this Title 42, these lawsuits and all that, uh, as as nationals, do we have access to this feature or should well, we stay away from it? I would think that since you're not a citizen of the United States, you don't have any access to Title 42, you know. And that's what True. kills me. People people in our – and I've heard it a number over the years. Ron McDonald was one. Something happened with his daughter at school out there in California. And Ron McDonald, who wrote the book, They Own Everything, Including You and all this stuff, filed a Title 42 suit. (laughs) And won. And won. Yeah, yeah. He's sharp. Yeah, he is. He is. He's just got everything wrong, see? And And I tell you why. It's because everything's based on dialectics, and they don't understand that. Him and the guy that wrote that book. And it's supposed to be a good book. I've never read it. I think the conclusion, the thesis is wrong. The title of the book is They Own Everything, Including You. And the thesis is that because you use their currency, they own you. When in reality is you use their, they own you not because you use their currency, but you use their currency because they own you. It's exactly (laughs) the opposite, see? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think uh, one of his key observations was that uh, because we use their currency, it represents a lien on every asset or everything we think we own. And the other issue is title, you know, that in the in the case of using fiat currency, we can only discharge debt. We cannot obtain. He's he's correct, except the lien is not on everything you own. The lien is on you via the birth certificate and the redemption of coupon payments to the bondholders. That's where the lien is. 
I mean, it's not a technically a lien, okay? But it, in essence, it is a lien on your future income. Yeah, and I th- I've tried to call there once or twice and speak to him, and uh, he just doesn't. It just doesn't quite click. I think he's got some kind of. We, if, you know, that's the problem with talking to people that have spent year, years doing this and they've got their own ideas and it's formatted in their mind. And he, he, he can't handle our information coming in there and upsetting his apple cart. Yeah. yeah don't doubt that at all. Not at all. So it's too bad because he'd be a good plus on our side. He's a nice guy. I've heard him on the air numerous times and uh, spoke with him once. Uh, actually on the phone and very impressed for a nice mild-mannered guy probably love to sit down and have a conversation with him it's just too bad he doesn't understand this because it would turn everything they're doing upside down because the reason we own that we use their money is because we're the object of their property rights and we can't pay debts because someone has property right in us we can only discharge debt with other debt that's why you're using the currency yeah <clears throat> yeah, it's really simple, but to people like him, it's very complicated. I don't think he just can, can, can fathom it. Well, you guys have spent a, a bit of time with this information and have got it internalized, you know, and have command of it to some extent. And he doesn't have any of that. You know, Ron is on still RBN Mondays in John's slot, usually right. for half the show. Who's that um, with Ellis? That guy Ellis? What's his name? The medic? Uh, Steve, uh, whatever. Elkins. 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 You know, Ron, uh, he gave me the statute in California that says the uh, recorder shall open the great books and record any state or federal land patent. Mm -hmm. He gave me that statute. Oh, cool. And the other, some... A couple of months ago, I asked Ron if he had an allodial title, and he said no. <laughs> I, well, I was I was surprised. Well, he might not he might not own his property because when I was going through, well, I think he does. I think he's pretty much free and clear of everything. Um, when I was going through my court battles in in his neck of the woods there in Sonoma County, that's where he lives. Um, yeah, uh, he was well known, and that those courts did not mess with him because they knew that they would be in deep crap if he started coming back at them. And he did on many occasions and was very successful. So he's got a reputation for, uh, in, in a very corrupt County to being left alone because they don't like what he can do to them. Well, obviously but, bring something to the table. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyway. I was surprised that he didn't have, uh, a, a land patent and a lodial title, what? and yet he gave me the statute that tells the the recorders to file one, or there's, you know, there's legal implications there. Does what's uh? I, I've never listened to this guy Steve Elkins, isn't that his name that Ron's on with? Yeah, I've never listened to him, but I sure get conflicting opinions on the guy what, what's what's your feeling on steve elkins samuel you've obviously listened to him i think he's pretty much milk toast okay you know i uh, i wouldn't go out of my way to listen to his show in general and i don't know he just sort of to me he's like an old retread tire 
uh, doesn't really bring much to the table. I've tried to put your message in his lap. It's a, it's, I've tried to put medical information in his lap. He doesn't take anything. He thinks he thinks he knows. And that's that. That's kind of the, what the comments that I've heard about the guy. What Ron's on with him and he won't let Ron talk or something. No, no. I think he likes to have Ron on. Okay. No, they're friends. I mean, okay. they used to I live think, in the same area. I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, stat Miller that never used to let him get a word in edgewise. He'd have him on every week and then he wouldn't let him hardly say anything. <laughs> I think he got pissed off about it. I can't imagine Ron getting too pissed off. He's a pretty level headed guy. But anyway, I think Ron was just tired of the whole thing and wanted time off for his grandchildren, to yeah. be honest. Well, I, nothing wrong with that. Stop and smell the roses. Yeah. So where else can we go this morning? All that conversation didn't spurn anybody a question or anything, comment? It's pretty, pretty flaccid board here this morning. Must be Christmas Eve. <laughs> Hey, Roger, I'll say this, too, um, that we really need to be watching these banks very carefully because, as we talked about the other day, these people like uh, Andy Schechtman, uh, Lynette Zhang, even Peter Schiff is in on it now, too, where as they un- unravel this uh, FTX. Uh, CBDCs, yeah. you know, things, yep. things are going to start happening fast. Yep, yep. 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 So annuities, anything you have in like an investment, like an annuity is going to be toast, pensions toast as well as the fact with these uh, bail-ins people could see uh you know a lot a good chunk of their money locked up at these banks i would i would uh, what i'm doing i suggest you might think about it if you have the ability to is to start stacking cash and get as much cash out of that bank account of yours as possible uh because when this thing crashes it's probably going to be a credit freeze wayne and it's probably going to come from the bond market quite frankly and but for a, a time after that, cash will be king because everybody recognizes cash. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's a there's a guy who is uh, on USA Watchdog all the time, and various other outlets too. But his name is Bill Holter. Oh H-O-L-T-E-R. yeah, Bill Holter. He's, oh yeah, he's he's Jim Sinclair's partner. He's this is exactly this, this guy's no lightweight right here. Now he's he's with Miles Franklin too, so I mean he's hooked up with Sheckman and all right. them. But that's his big mantra that there will be a credit freeze that'll just stop everything in its tracks, right. and then as that happens, things will unravel very quickly. I'd say it's going to come from the bond market, and you can already tell that because the uh, as I mentioned, I heard somebody I don't remember who it was recently talking about Japan and China are dumping U.S. bonds right now, and they went through a several uh, internal U.S agencies that are dumping bonds and i didn't get all of them unfortunately but i remember the last one and that was social security administration so the social security administration is dumping u.s bonds right now that should tell you everything should sure should doesn't it (laughs) yeah one other thing too is this lynette zhang she's a itm trading in arizona very Mm -hmm. very wickedly smart lady yeah and uh, she's been around since almost 40 years since the 87 crash and uh her big uh thing also is uh recently she's talking about the uh the treasury bill bubble that again we have so much you know so many bills so much of that paper out there now it's going to be attracting much higher interest rate that it, it just can't handle it 
that you know and what's the treasury bill the bonds yep okay and see that they they raised uh they raised uh the overnight rate was it the overnight rate or the fed i think they they call that the fed funds rate they uh, they raised so. that another half a point for repos yeah but that that's kind of what that is okay but they raised it three quarters of a point here in the last meeting and they raised it a half a point this meeting and that's what's throwing everything they're trying to control inflation like paul volcker did but it's too big now and the problem is when they raise these interest rates it costs everybody all your adjustable rate mortgages all everything goes up with the fed funds rate question that, roger yes sir who is that bruce this, this is joe again oh hey joe uh like your insight opinion into where crypto is going to fit into this because as i see it uh the bank of england is currently working on a cryptocurrency for England and wouldn't they very likely take your the assets that you have, the money monetary assets you have in your personal bank and just exchange dollars for I'm I'm sure that's crypto? the way I'm sure that's the way they'll handle it when you're talking about CBDCs um and i i, I think we need to def- differentiate between a token Baseball like bat. i think we need to differentiate between a token like cbdc's and a cryptocurrency like bitcoin cuz they're not the same uh, and the next thing i know i woke up and everyone was screaming everybody was screaming and i had a white shirt on it was all red i had blood coming down my face was this a dream it took me to is this a drone? I, we got. Muted. I don't know what that was. He was unmuted. He was unmuted. I muted him. Okay, thank you. Okay, Joe, does that make but, but, sense to you? Um, you know, well, I've, 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 I've. Let me just say this personally. I've kind of washed my hands of cryptocurrency. I was messing with it for a few years, and and I either lost it, couldn't get into the account, somebody stole it, or something. I just finally threw my hands up and said, "To hell with that! All that complex crap." Well, I never got involved with it. I, when Bitcoin first came out, I, I almost bought a thousand dollars worth of it at a hundred bucks a pop. And uh, well, but I didn't because the smart people talked me out of it. However, I I still have the thousand dollars that I would have spent on it, though. Yeah, but it sure but, didn't buy as much as it would have the other way. No, but no, it no, it doesn't. But you know, the crypto is nothing more than what we already have because. It's just uh, whatever value they want to put on it. Well, the problem is that market's manipulated like all the other ones. Okay, exactly. I, I think. Exactly. I think, so, I think there's what, a couple. The well, there's a couple of pretty good coins out there. Bitcoin's one of them. It's got some advantages. A Monero with the privacy thing. I think there's another one called Pirates Bay that's got all these privacy things built in, and who knows, but. You know, I bought gold 30 years ago and 20-something years ago, so I'm all right. Hell, I'm 74. I got no heirs. I don't have maintain any kind of high-end style of living, and I'm fine. I'm not going to worry Roger, about it. Roger, 
Yes, sir. I understood that you're my dad. Hold on now. I got to send you my information because I need to put, put you on your will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Just busting your balls. Just that's okay. Balls. That's okay. So anyway, I, I I haven't paid much attention to them. A lot of people hang their hat on them. If, you know, whatever. It's an individual well, choice. My idea is that, that the crypto, not unlike your dollar, is worth only what I think it is that I can use it to exchange for some other well, item. Well, you see, when you get like to Bitcoin and people say there's nothing to back it, well, that's just not true. You know, those machines that do the uh, calculations, those things are real expensive, and it costs a lot of money and in electrical input and stuff to run that. That's what's behind it. Okay. Did you see the One deal minor. up in New York? There was what? a there was a news special on that up in New York. There oh, was yeah. a small logging town, and uh, somebody came in and over bought up the logging deal and was using all the water. And uh, they run an electrical grid out there, and they're using countless kilowatts of electricity right. and all this yadi dotty dotty. Well, uh, Joe, you know where a lot of the Bitcoin manufacturers move was out there on the Permian Basin, basin out there, because all the all the gas is just being burned off. Nobody gets any benefit from it, and they harness that for free electricity to run their Bitcoin mining operation. The Bitcoin miners seek out the lowest electricity costs in the world because that's their one big variable. Well, that was kind of the upshot of the that news program from upstate New York. Right. Well, they had Rondacks. Yeah, doing it all over the world. A lot of the stands, when the stands were going through all kinds of problems and had all this spare electricity uh, production capability, they'd move over there. So it just goes around the world, you know. But there definitely is value to Bitcoin, and I think it is a legitimate rival. Uh, and in some s, you know, the one thing about cyber coins that really impressed me was their utility. In other words, I, could, I had a friend in Russia, and I could send her, send her a tenth of a Bitcoin, and it was there in 15 seconds. Okay, you can't do that with gold. So there's some advantages and disadvantages. My personal choice is not to mess with it. That's finally been my personal choice. Okay. I'll, I'll set on my assets that I can look at. It's so complex. And, and touch and, and feel. You can't, you know, you, you, it's just one thing after another with me and cryptos. And finally, I just threw up my head and said, I don't want anything to do with them, quite frankly. I, I agree. I'm from Tennessee. Yes, hello. What was your name? This is Sherry. Oh, hey, um, Sherry. I heard they're doing rolling blackouts in Tennessee. Is that true? Any of our Tennessee folks around? We got rolling blackouts going through there with all this cold weather? Yep. Guess we're not going to get an answer out of the board today, Sherry. Sorry. Are you? Are, I thought you're – are you in Louisiana or Arkansas? I'm in Arkansas. Okay. But I heard that Memphis, they did rolling blackouts yesterday in Memphis. Could have. They are. And it's going to go across. Somebody, somebody just gave you confirmation. Who was that? Was that you, Byron? This is Matt from Tennessee. Oh, hey, yes, Matt. they are doing rolling blackouts. Um, I know the Gibson County Electrical Co-op announced it. 
They're going to be doing it every uh, 15 to 20 minutes at a time, every four to five hours. And it's all ridiculous, of course. Uh, And I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with what happened about a year and a half ago when the TVA demolished the new Johnsonville electrical generation plant. That was a really big deal. And I know when it happened, I, I had a fight or flight feeling. I've had it ever since. We're under attack. And this is just par for the course. These jokers aren't going to stop. No, no, no. They're not going to. They can't stop. They can't stop. No, they can't. And I don't know what's going to have to happen. I guess we'll have to get enough of us that uh, change our political status and then start to uh, organize real uh, common law grand juries. I don't know how we're going to escape this thing. These people, you know, they mean business. There, as I heard once, they're as serious as two dogs doing it in the middle of the expressway. That's right. Okay. But yeah, that's it's actually something I've been on. It's been on my mind a lot because I just got a dozen new baby chicks because I I raise my own eggs. I don't have a rooster, but that's part of my prepping. You know, I right. I eat four raw eggs every morning. That's good. And. uh and then I eat them raw because of the live enzymes. And yep. They're really good for you. That well, I've, been do, I've been doing that lately myself, uh, Matt. It makes you feel feel good, I think. I mean, I get really good energy, and uh, and I work hard. But uh, I, I had to have the chicks in earlier when it went off, and I don't know. I hope they don't die. I'm going to be really pissed off if my baby chicks die so i have to go buy some more why can you put them in something enclosed and put a like well you you putting a light bulb in there wouldn't help because you're going through rolling blackouts right well you got to have a a light bulb on them and i've got a heat lamp on them and you know i've I've been doing this uh, every year for about four or five years now it's easy to do until your electricity goes off i know earlier today when one of the blackouts happened before i understood that it was a, a routine thing I brought them in, set them next to the heater, and uh, uh, I, I just, I don't know. It's its just, it befuddles me, Roger, that, that we have allowed this to happen. Well, it's uh, man, I've been screaming from the little rooftop on this for 12 and a half years. I couldn't get anybody to listen. Still have a hard time. Um, well, I'm glad you brought your chicks in the house. That's a good idea. Yep. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Cheap, and you cheap, sleep, cheap. Sleep with them too. Put them on your bed at night. <laughs> I don't want them on did my guys, bed. They'll be pooping guys, everywhere. I mean, did, chickens are pretty nasty. Did you guys but, see that interview with uh, that Tucker Carlson did with uh, Mike Tyson? Did any of you see any excerpts yeah. of that? I saw it. I saw it. He slept with two four hundred pound tigers on his bed, Matt, for fourteen years. Wow. One on Tucker each Carlson? side. No, Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson, yeah. And he told the stories about when they'd get in fights in the middle of the night and they'd, uh, and all that, you know, I guess they can, like, cats can spew, you know, and, and they'd start spewing on each other and all kinds of stuff. And it was a, uh, it was just an incredible conversation to sit there and watch him tell it. Slept with two hundred, two two four hundred pound tigers that he'd raised from pups, from cubs. When they got out of hand, did he bite their ears? I don't know if he did. 
I doubt if he did. They probably fight back a hell of a lot more than Evander Holyfield. <laughs> he, he told Evander Holyfield. He told him. He said, "If you get, if the ref keeps cheating, and if you keep headbutting me, I'm going to bite your ear off." <laughs> he said that there. In- and the, you and know, what, you know, Abram. Up. What's the funniest thing is they're business partners now. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> uh, he's like a very he he he's like lives in the moment, almost like a Zen person, right? Like yeah. he, he just calls it like he sees it. Yeah, you know, I guess. he just lives in the moment. Okay, well. You know, bygones are bygones. He oh, t- my Tigers are fighting. I better handle this. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he said when they start fighting, you leave the house. Can, can we start using the term fearless Joe now? <laughs> I guess we could. <laughs> hey, Roger. Yeah, Samuel. Yeah. During the Great Depression uh, on the farmstead back in Wisconsin, my grandma, they say, saved the farm. She raised a thousand chickens in that climate, and of course, there's no electricity. So they say she had to get up every night and put coal in the brooder uh, houses to uh, to warm, keep the chickens from being frozen to death every night, middle of the night. But that listen, that's so, uh, uh, Matt touched on it, and I saw this guy on recently on one of the shows, one of AJ's shows or something about. Uh, slurping raw eggs and it's a guy that's started a whole organization for men to try and get testosterone raised okay and uh, they've got a whole i can't remember the name of his outfit but uh i, I started making i'm not doing four matt i've just been doing one in the morning in a in a drink that i fix or when i can remember to do it and uh, yeah grandpa grandpa used to love to put them in his beer I can tell you what, when I was in college at LSU and and, uh, the fraternity house was right, they had a fraternity row. There's a big U street there with all fraternity houses on it. And it was right at the edge of LSU's property and right across the street in back of the fraternity house was, oh, I can't remember Highland Avenue or something. But anyways, all this college stuff, you know, but right on the corner was an old um, drugstore. And you could go in there and get milkshakes, handmade, like they used to do them, you know. And I remember you could pay either an an extra nickel or a dime and get a raw egg put in that milkshake. And the flavor difference was night and day. Yet it was so far superior flavor with a raw egg in there. For whatever that's worth, some of you might want to think about that. Roger, the quick and easy way to... to get a raw egg down is to take take the the small end and break it open about the size of a nickel yeah and poke a hole in the other end and hold your finger over the hole right tip it tip your head back and go suck and it goes right down and you and you never you got it all in one shot. I'll be darned. Well, I never heard that. But. And I, well, I learned to do that as a fraternity pledge. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> you know what they used to do to my dad when he was in college? He went to northern Minnesota to college the first year. And I guess what they'd do up there with him was take raw oysters and tie a string on them and make you swallow it, and then they'd pull it back out. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, <laughs> they, you get more than just yours. You, sh- you sure would. <laughs> I remember him telling me that. Um, but sucking raw eggs evidently real good for you. So something you might want to consider if you're not doing it. Um, you know, I'll tell you how I do it, Roger. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know my eggs, how, how old they are because I collect them and keep track of them that way. But I put them in the sink and run water on them, make sure they don't float. Because if an egg floats, yeah. it means it's bad. Okay. And uh, then I, I crack four of them in a glass and I take a spoon and whip them up like I'm going to scramble them. Yeah. And I pour some milk in on top of it and then right. stir it up again. And I've got like yellow milk. Right. And then, and then I drink it. I just okay. drink it. Okay. I'll bet it makes the milk taste better. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's I've been doing it now for uh, about four years, eating raw eggs every morning. Well, and I, one of the things I do, I also take fish oil because, you you know, fish oil, I take fish oil every time I eat. Uh, that's very important. Yeah, to get the good cholesterol. Yeah. Make sure it's good fish oil, not rancid, because some of that stuff is, you know, they're getting it from these farm farmed uh, farm fish and stuff. Be careful about that. The brand you know, I'm using comes pretty. It's Life's Fortune, uh, Ultra Pure, Meg 3. Omega three fish oil, and I know a place down in Jackson, Tennessee, that uh, is a health food shop. Highly recommended it. They said they do a really good job of uh, making that product uh, pure. Okay, life's fortune. Okay, thank you. Y'all know about black pepper? Kinda. Black pepper multiplies your nutrition, whatever you're eating, ten times. That's right. That's why they put pepper in um, turmeric. It increases the turmeric's power some exponentially, just like you're saying. In the spirit of the holidays, um, I just have to mention a fabulous drink called the eggnog. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry. Are you are you all right this morning? Take another hit, Victoria. Sorry, I'm really sick. Um, oh, but oh. I. What are I you... love eggnog, and I'm just imagining it because I can't taste anything. And you're all talking about having raw eggs, but like the best way to have raw eggs, in my opinion, is as uh, eggnog. Eggnog is wonderful. I love eggnog with a little with a little nutmeg in it. Victoria, what's yeah. wrong with you? Oh, I just have a really bad cold. But um, I wanted to also share that um, the. Um, there's a you can take raw eggs raw cream and raw honey like a truly raw honey not the sort of so you have to be careful and and know that it's truly raw there's a lot that's represented as raw that isn't but you take that every day and it's detoxifying it's got so it's like the most nutritious thing and if you and really sick too and help you rebuild your strength um i don't think it's good to have dairy after you know a cold but like for other things i was a nurse a friend of mine to help this summer with that combination and um i we thought we were gonna lose him at one point and it just really made a huge difference and um but if, if you wanted to add 
found raw eggs gross or whatever you can and you could add nutmeg and nutmeg's so good for you anyway and cinnamon and just kind of make it your own um but the that basic recipe is give us breaking up pretty much you're you're breaking up victoria you're breaking up sweetie but i want to get that basic formula again that's okay uh raw eggs raw honey and what was the third ingredient um raw cream raw cream yeah, and you can just add whatever you like and um, if you want. But as a basic kind of health-giving, uh, it just does so many good things for your body. It builds your strength. Um, I think it has a detoxifying aspect, too. Um, raw cream and, and raw dairy in general has some really interesting... Yes, it does. Yes, it does. How many eggs? So good for you. Yeah, so... How many um, how many eggs you did, were you putting in on your formula there, Victoria? Somebody asked. Oh, I I did two, but you could do one. I mean, you can just kind of do what you feel is is. I think that's one of those things where it depends on your size and your appetite a little bit too. But I'd say two eggs, and um, I can I can see if I can find the exact. Oh, I can find it. I can. I did a care sheet for my friend. It's in there. I'll put it in the chat. Okay, great. Um, okay. Well, we can get. We're for, fortunate here. We got some Americans down here north of us, a mar- married couple, and they've got their own farm up there, and they process everything. Uh, and they come uh, down to Quito uh, once a couple of times a month. Uh, they sell to the embassy. Uh, but they come down and they've got a whole group of customers that are Americans and you put in your order and they bring it down. You go pick it up and pay for it. Uh, my problem is I, li- I really like their food, but I just don't have a very big freezer right now and I don't have a place to put all that stuff. But then we got another guy that lives not north of us, but south of us, uh, Robbie, who has, I guess, a pretty large chunk of land down there. And he makes his own everything. He goes and makes uh, peanut butter. They grow peanuts in in uh, Ecuador. And he makes his own peanut butter, his own almond butter. He's got his own avocado oil. He's got a bunch of avocado trees. He sells avocado honey, which I'm sure is raw. And uh, come, he comes and sees us about once a month. People put in an order, and he comes up on Tuesdays and People buy all the stuff, you know, but we're lucky to have access to some of that here. That's fabulous. Yeah, raw butter is also so uh, healthy. So I I just pulled up the notes. I can read it out so that it's in the recording as okay. well. Okay, all right. Um, give me a moment while I read through this because it's like a... a well, while you're, while you're looking through that, I'll just add that I think they do raw milk at L&S, the farm north of us, and... I just haven't participated with them much because since I moved into this apartment a little over a year ago, I just don't have any freezer space. But I'd like to more, but they have real, real good quality food. That's wonderful. Um, so I forgot also a half. you can add a half a cup of raw milk to it as well. So um, it says with about one to two raw eggs, half a cup of raw milk, three to four tablespoons of raw cream, and a tablespoon of unheated raw honey. And you just blend that. And also, if you can blend it with the least amount of oxygen, that's always helpful. And apparently, 
the old Osterizer blenders, if you put a mason jar over them, right. it's and you can create an oxygen free blend zone, right? Which is great. So, um, yeah, and uh, let's see. Why would oxygen it's, be bad? I would think oxygen involved that would be good. I don't know. It's the pollution in the air, I think. Might be. I don't know. But um, there's also, so hopefully Miller is winning his case. I know they gave like a him a chance to work on his farm. That I didn't have a chance to read the article in full, but there was something yesterday well, about Miller, um, the Amish farmer. His... Uh, his situation with the government being put on hold. So it's a, it's a very, I've heard Bar- Barnes is his, is his lawyer now, Robert Barnes. He spent oh, all, okay. he spent all week up there this week. So that's probably oh. why something positive came out of that this week. Okay. Well, my, my friend um, developed, he's, he's really knowledgeable. He's a healer and he developed this raw cheese with his mom and, it's called Fraser's Cheese. So if you want to support Miller's Farm with a really good healing, truly raw cheese, okay. it doesn't have salt, so it's supposed to be better for all the sort of healing aspects. Um, that was curate, That was developed like just out of a labor of love um, by my friend. Okay. Well, I know uh, that I know I heard Barnes talking about the Amos Miller case and uh, he was saying they're, they're coming after him on some really obscure regulation that they're using to to do all this. And you know, Barnes Barnes didn't put up with too much crap from anybody, so I'm sure that he's probably turned that situation around. I hope so because I'm always nervous when I see sort of the pressure taken off of a situation that it's just like oh you know, they do it right before the holidays so oh relax don't you know get afraid of at the family dinner party for solutions on how to help that guy oh it's good news you know so, like that's kind of it it takes the um can take some attention away you always have to be careful about when these things are happening so i'm praying that it's it's a uh, truly good news well I, I think with barnes on the case he'll he'll probably at least still be able to operate and he's going to negotiate whatever they're doing um part of the reason evidently they came after we, uh, amos miller is because he's got a contract with western we, uh, western price organization right and, right and his and, clients yeah. are all over the country and that's exactly why they, i think they came after him well, they're going after the homeopathic um, industry as well. And, you know, they're just attacking anything that is truly healing. Yeah. So, they, want, they want everybody to be sick, without electricity, hungry, and they want you to give them your guns. Yeah. That's charming. So. Snakes. So thank you. Victoria, I, I don't know if, if you got a wand, you might want to use your wand a little bit. I hope you got one. Uh, I have. I just wasn't sure if it worked with a cold. Well, I don't know, uh, but I can't imagine it would help, it would hurt. So it does. 
it does work with a cold? I would think it would. I'd blow it up my nose and in my mouth. Uh, Bob, was that you trying to say something there, Benny? Yes, it is. I wanted to mention something. You were wondering what the problem would be with oxygen. Well, it's fairly simple. Uh, Oxygen is your friend as far as oxygenating cells, but it is also what breaks down, uh, makes things rot, essentially. Right. When you get oil that is rancid, right. it has become oxygenated. There you go. And rancid oil will wreck you. And yeah. that's why seed oils and vegetable oils are so bad because right. they have a very, very low tolerance right. for taking it on oxygen. Uh-huh. And that's where animal fats are good, and we've used them for centuries and millennia right. because it comes with the meat. Right. It's got a really high flash point doesn't oxygenate that's why mom had a tub of lard or a tub of tallow up on top of the kitchen stove and just kind of used it forever it seemed that's what, go bad one of our canadian guys here goes to the store and gets all the fat cuttings and goes and renders them down to lard mm-hmm. Not, i think lard yeah. is well, pig, that's the answer on pig fat what the problem is with oxygenating it you're okay. simply pro you're 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 ex- you're essentially pre-digesting it by introducing the oxygen. It starts uh-huh. to break down okay. more quickly that way. Okay. Kills the shelf life. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's the same thing that happens to an egg. Um, the porosity of the egg is taking in the oxygen. So before refrigeration, there was an old um, technique that was used for eggs. They used to put them in a lime solution. And seal them. It's called water glassing eggs, and you could still do that. And, ex- and without refrigeration, you can extend that life of that egg from six months to a year. Is that right? And it's really that's really handy because, as you people who have chickens well know, that there's that ebb and flow in abundance, and then you can go down to zero with the chickens laying. Tell us, tell us more about liming an egg. Yeah, uh, I, I can confirm. I've done it. And uh, when you lime it, I think you add a teaspoon to a quart. I think that's the ratio, but you want to confirm online. And uh, you need to use raw eggs that have been unwashed. They cannot be washed. Yeah, yeah. and you, you want to take the ones that have poop and stuff on them and you know, keep those out for yourself first. Right. Relatively clean, not to, still with the bloom on them, and then you put them in a solution. I, I You know, it's it's calcium hydroxide or... And, and probably st- sodium silicate. I think it's. I think. I think it's in the form of type S lime. If you go to your like your Home Depot, I think that will work. Um, yes. And it's about yeah. a quarter pound. I would say, say a hundred grams to a gallon of water, and you just put them in that solution. You might warm the water up a little bit uh, to help dissolve the lime, but right. then uh, you know you put that in a cool place, covered. And uh, it seals the pores of the eggs. Wow. Well, that's news to me. And it lasts up to 18 months. Holy smokes. So, yep. so, and the way you check them when you take them out is you confirm that they don't float. If they float, right. like someone else mentioned earlier, right. they're bad. Right. If they, if they float, they're still good. And uh, yep. If anybody wants to look it up, it's called water glassing because they get sort of glassy when they that, are in that solution. That's the silicone type that I think someone else mentioned. With the lime, it's uh, limed eggs. 
the, sodium salicate is what that is what that's used for. for the you can get it, yes, and you can get it at the uh, drugstore. And that that's calcium not- hydroxide, don't use it for anything but taking snow off your sidewalk. <laughs> and some people, some people in industry use that as a salt substitute, and it's not for anything but uh, sidewalks. Well, it's good to have around if you want to be a mason, too. And sodium silicate will lock up any bearings or anything that you get it on. It's hard as glazed hell, man. It really does. And it's also used to seal cracks in concrete. So use a dedicated vessel when you're using sodium silicate or water glass. Okay. Keep different. it out of your um, Yes, Victoria, was that you? Oh, I just, I didn't want to cut off any more um, fabulous egg info, but if, if no one has anything more to add on that, I wanted to add to um, using, you know, having tallow and that sort of thing. Um, it's also great for um, skincare. And I recently discovered, oh, actually, I discovered them a while ago, but I was an idiot and I didn't. Um, really go ahead and try some of her products. But there's a wonderful woman on Etsy, and her site is called LBCC Historical Apothecary. And she does all these old-time formulas with healing salves, and she also uses tallow, but all kinds of herbs. And um, even if you don't buy her things, and you just want to make your own things and just be inspired... It's pretty great, and they have um, interesting uh, body care things, but also, like, um, she, well, she, she does a lot of work for museums, and, and, and um, she researches things in great depth, and if you have any questions about any of her products, I am so impressed by her knowledge and her customer service, and um, it's just, I love going back to these old, Old well, that, that, old wisdom. I think you guys would have fun with that. So, yeah. if you, if well, you want to give on. out give out our website again and say it slowly, Victoria. So, in case anybody, sure. it is L as in Larry, B as in boy, C as in candle, C as in candle, historical apothecary, L B C C, historical apothecary, and sometimes it'll show up as little bits as well. In, in the search um, on Etsy and um, the owner is Alicia and you can tell her I sent you because I've become such a huge fan and, and if you have long hair uh, she has a brush that will actually really do I've, I've been looking for this brush my whole life I think I, I recently and it's 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 a sandalwood brush that really mm. goes through your hair beautifully it's 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 the best brush I've ever found. Anyway, lots of great little Victoria and it's expensive. Yeah, uh, Vic, uh, Victoria. After historical, what Apothe- did you say? Apothecary. Apothecary. Oh, oh, it, uh, oh I'm, I'm not in the chat. I'm on a uh, phone. Oh, oh, sorry. It's L B C C historical. Apothecary. dot com. Uh, it's on Etsy. It's on what? Etsy. 
Epsi? Etsy. I don't even it's know. Etsy. I don't know what that I is. I know what it is. I know what it is. Etsy. It's like a crafting website. Okay. All right. Okay. It's in the chat. Okay. As far as eggs are concerned, another way to prolong their life is people for many years uh, dip them in oil. And that seals them also, but. Okay. Hey, Daniel, how are you feeling? Doing wonderful, brother. Yeah. How cold is it up in northern Idaho? 13. Oh, heat wave. Yeah, exactly. It was supposed to go down to eight, never got minus eight, but never got there. Okay. Good deal. Any rolling blackouts up there in Idaho? No, none at all. Okay, that's good news. Were the rolling yep. blackouts, Matt, were the rolling blackouts mainly centered around Memphis or were they throughout the state? I think it's throughout the TVA system. Uh, the official uh, notice I saw was from Gibson County, is which that, is the county to the south of me. Is that close to Memphis? Or you're about halfway between Nashville and Memphis, aren't you? Or is that down Yes. Okay. Well, TVA is the whole state of Tennessee, isn't it? I believe so. And part of the, a lot of the South. I know there's a big right. TVA deal in Alabama, a too. Bunch, a bunch in North Georgia. It's huge. Did you hear yeah, about, all, did you hear about um, the, the tax on the, on the, on the power plants down in um, Florida? And I think South Carolina had one blow up. It was no. attacked. It was intentionally attacked. Oh, yes. They were shooting at them here a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yes. Yeah, that's they're awesome. saying that's the foreshadowing to the false flag where they're going to shut the electrical system down and blame it on Trump supporters. Oh, exactly. Now, I was listening to this interview this morning looking for something to fill some time for the show. And uh, listen to this red pill report from last night. It had a doctor on there, and she was talking about how uh, she's real anti-GMO. And when she started getting into this GMO stuff years ago, they had some big hearing at Congress on uh, GMO, and they drove all night from Illinois, Indiana, someplace, all the way to D.C. to go get involved in that hearing. And she said when they got there at 4.30 in the morning, what Monsanto did was they gauged how many seats were available in the hearing room, and they went out and hired a bunch of homeless people to stand in line, in line all night. And when they opened up for the hearing, all the homeless people got all the seats, and they wouldn't let them in to object. That's the way these bastards work, okay? Rat bastards. Uh, I mean, you know, it goes back. I keep getting thrown into my... My consciousness, this quote from uh, Thomas Jefferson on on uh, uh, eternal vigilance. Yeah. And see, the problem is, if you're going to be eternally vigilant with these bastards, you have to know how they think. And most of our people aren't capable of that. That's correct. You got to think like they do if you're going to beat them, folks. You got to tie your brain into a pretzel to think that way. Well, I know, and it ain't pleasant. But if you're going to beat them and stay out of their clutches, that's what you got to do. Art of war. That's just like I said. You know, uh, uh, that's the problem with Ralph Winterout. 
were and a number of other people. I'm just singling him out uh, because he couldn't think outside the box. He had to think and approach the IRS thing like he thought, and he never could get and cross the line of these people don't think like you do. That's why. He didn't get the gift of dyslexia. <laughs> Evidently not. But you know what What obviously evidenced that to me was Chuck Ward, who used to hang around here a bunch. We hadn't heard from Chuck in a while. But Chuck had a relationship with Ralph, and he was trying to get explain our stuff to Ralph. And so Ralph, in his response, he had LexisNexis and Westlaw and all that stuff. And he went in and searched Title 26 CFR for the word national. And he came back to Chuck and said, well, the word national is not in there. Because he couldn't see that they'd changed national and hidden it as non-resident alien. He couldn't think that way. That's a lot of problem in our patriot community right there to me. Well, you don't want to really think about their way. Well, no, you don't want to think like that, but when you realize what's going on and what they're doing, you got to think that way if you're going to unravel it and beat them. If you unravel it and think like they do, you can beat them like we have. If you don't, you're going to bang your head up against the wall because it feels so good when you stop. Or you can be like Ralph and go uh, to your final meeting there and not even understand what you've been working on for 25 years. Ralph, I just started learning about citizenship status right before he died. Well, it's, uh, That's according to Mark in all caps. Well, I would have hoped. PSYOPs plan. Well, I would have hoped that he would have come around eventually because it would have just opened up Vista's understanding to him. Boy, sure would have made him effective. What's all PSYOPs? Sure it is. Everything they do is a PSYOP. I mean, just like. Uh, them them having any association to the holy bible they get their hereditament through the mother everybody in the bible gets their hereditament through the father how can they be people of the book well they're not and they can't be but there's the psyop we got a whole damn country named after israel over there of which they are no part so you just gotta you know i mean we used to hammer this to brent in the early days when Daryl and Chris and several of us were on there every Friday, and we'd hammer Brent, you know. And it it took years, finally, okay. And I remember one exchange we had, and I said, Brent, you've got to learn to think like them. And Brent got, he said, I don't want to think like them. I said, you don't have to think like them, but you got to know how they think. There's the differentiation. That's a big line of demarcation in our movement, folks. Right there, what we're talking about right here. People can't get out of their own way of thinking and realize these people that have pulled all this and doing all this to them don't think like they do. Hey, Roger, has Brent um, submitted uh, his affidavit already? Uh, You know, uh, he was asked that question one day, and he just said that's a personal decision, and he didn't want to say. Okay. He says that he's an American national. I would tell you that I That's believe, how he described I, himself. I would tell you that I believe he has because one day he made an, a, a comment to me that he was redoing my affidavit. And I've got some other sources too that I'm pretty sure that they've done that. But 
he didn't want to admit it when he was asked about it, and I wasn't going to say anything. So, but boy, it took us years to drag him over the line. Hey, Roger. Yeah, Marco. Question. Um, we're for people that are noticing places that we don't cover right away um, when we're sending our notices, like jury service or something like that. Well, I don't know that um, you need well, to. I don't need that you need to put them on notice. Just right. wait. No, and, I don't think so either. If they contact you, just send them back a copy or affidavit, and they won't call you again. Right. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, um, some one of the students sent in a letter, but it was kind of long to the jury um, people. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, we just need to send our affidavit and say we're non-citizen. You don't need to do that. For one thing, if and we will pick this back up after the first of the year and dust settles a little bit. But I think people ought to all go in and start pressing the envelope on getting your voter registration changed. Okay, and that right there, if you go into the voter registration rolls and get your, your changed, you won't get picked for jury duty because they pull that pool out of voter registration. I sent mine in to um, the state SOS, the the, the county uh, person that handles the elections and the elections office. Okay. Well, you need to, you know, they're still dealing with the election postscript and stuff. Uh, but after the first year, it's something I'd like all of us to do because it's easy. It's non-threatening. And we can press the envelope on something that's pretty important, this election stuff. By the way, did you hear, uh, came up in the Cary Lake trial yesterday that part of the forensic analysis on the ballots, 40 I think it's 42% of the ballots were fraudulent. That came out yeah, in Cobra. 40-something. 40 yeah, the, the ballots were bigger bigger than what fits. Ah, somebody's entered the secondary room. Would you like to join us? Yes, yeah, Mark, I think. Mark, okay. No, somebody bailed from the secondary room. Okay, they bailed. All right, we'll see you later. Adios, have and a good, I'm, have a good I'm going to be walking. Sorry, Roger. That's okay. Go ahead. I'm going to be walking in my um, notice to the property, I mean, the court um, next week before the year ends um, just to put it or file it in uh, property records. Well, you don't do that. Well, they, I guess property records. With the are clerk. Part but of the clerk. Yeah. Yep, get it okay. I liked Mark's idea of sending in some sort of a request for a declaratory judgment. I thought that was a pretty interesting idea. Maybe we can expand on that. Yeah, that was Mark. That, that was today. Mark that was in the conference room. He was trying to talk, and I had it muted because if there's nobody in there, it plays music over the main room. So as long as there's nobody in that room, it stays muted. And sometimes I don't catch when people go in there. Shame on you. So it would it would be really really helpful if people that are calling in on the phone instead of calling the Jitsi board call the conference room, so I don't have to deal with it. Way too I'm just I love you, Paul. It's way too cold. Is that God, you, Mark? Did you did you get on with us, Mark? <laughs> this is Mark in all caps. Yeah, yeah on the tries again. I want to yeah. hear that explanation, Roger. Go well. I'm going to get let Mark tell you because he's the one that told us the other day. Want to explain if you can? We got a couple minutes left here on this request for a declaratory judgment approach. Sure. Um, the declaratory judgment allows you to. 
request the court make a legal decision on whatever issue that you want to bring forth. And uh, in Oklahoma, we filed what's called a petition for a declaratory judgment. I say we. I wasn't actually part of it other than being a witness with our – we had a legal research group here in Oklahoma City with Richard Cornforth. And so they were challenging what the definition of money was, according to the Oklahoma Constitution. And they tap danced all around that. So, but to get a decision, instead of like, instead of not paying state taxes and going through that rigmarole, they, uh, they come up with doing what's called a petition for a declaratory judgment. And what I was stating previously was this is a way that you don't have to get a traffic ticket in order to challenge the system. Right. You continue on your you can continue on your way right now at you know, status quo, just keep things going the way they are, and then <clears throat> get your research done and and then file a petition for a declaratory judgment in your district county court. And and file it against whatever agency would have a say so in what you're trying to challenge. Like if it's having to do with having a driver's license, then it might be your Department of Motor Vehicles, might be your um, your county's district attorney who enforces the driving laws. Right. So whoever you think has authority over whatever issue you're trying to challenge then you serve them like a defendant. You name them as a defendant, and then you just write your your uh, petition. You explain the facts, uh, and in this in this instance, it would be hypothetically. So you're asking questions. <clears throat> does a <clears throat> does a citizen of Oklahoma? Uh, is a, a citizen of Oklahoma required to have a driver's license? to travel in their private automobile. Now, if you got all your cases that back you up and say that you don't have to have a license, now we're asking the court to make a formal decision that we don't have to have a driver's license to travel in our private automobile. Now, Mark, I'm going to interrupt you for a second here. Declaratory judgment is if you're in a court case and somebody uh, asks for a declaratory judgment, they're asking the court to make a decision on the facts because the facts aren't in dispute. Isn't that correct? Uh, yes, unless the other side opposes it. Right. Unless, like unless I whoever said, you serve comes if, back with an opposition to it. That's correct. But right. they have to, you know, if they don't oppose it, then you win. Right. But, but I would anticipate they'll try to oppose it. So you've got to know the law. You got to know what your position is. You got to have case law that's higher than your state, higher than the court that you're in. Okay, precedent. Yeah, precedent. But Roger, I was precedent. asking, I was asking about the property records affidavit, like what putting the notice in the property records at okay. the court. Well, with uh, the clerk. Okay. So I'm wondering, is that something? I don't know if that would 
It's I mean, it, I just want to put a notice. Well, it doesn't really like do. I don't think it does anything. At, you know, the, remember that is where John and Glenn had us file this when they were first doing the revocation of election because they hadn't figured out the Secretary of State angle yet. So filing it and giving public notice was in the property records office. I don't think that's necessary these days, honestly. If you so want to do it, it's not going to hurt, but I don't yeah. think it really does any good. Okay. If we have it filed in the court, it's available there in case anything well, it's you know, not, you need to go in, right? Uh, yes. And the property records office isn't the court. It's affiliated with the court. Okay. So just file it with the clerk. Well, the clerk would be would give you – that's when you get it certified. If you get the okay. certified, the clerk of the court comes over. He goes, yes, this is on file in the property rolls. Yes, I'm pay me that couple of bucks, and I'm going to put this stamp on there and attest to that. That's what the clerk does. Okay. So the property records office is not the court, but they are inter, interlinked. Okay. So uh, – I think we're about out of time here today, folks. We got a little something playing in the background here. If I can get that down and turn this up, somebody somebody's got a phone call there. So, uh, uh, several. Damn, everybody! Everybody's wanting to call at the same time. That's fishy. That's fishy. I recognize that that ring any any day. Okay, well, on that note, I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas, and I'll see you on Thumper Show if you want to see my new haircut. And if you don't, I'll see you here, and you can't see my new haircut <laughs> on Monday. So uh, Happy holidays, Roger. Well, it's, Merry uh, Christmas. Uh, have, a, have as good a weekend here on Saturnalia weekend as you can, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs>